John 2.16. Amen. And we begin and we um, continue talking about the safest place to be. The safest place to be. Amen. During these times, people are looking for the safest place to be. And they will do anything to keep them and their families safe. And they have all kind of ideas of how to keep themselves safe and their families safe. Come on, say amen, somebody. But once again, truly, the safest place to be in this day and time, especially what we're living in right now, is in the will of God for your life. The will of God for your life. The will of God is the safest place to be, folks. You will find no safer place than the will of God. Why? Because when you're in the will of God, the enemy can't touch you or your family. Say it again. When you're in the will of God, the enemy can't touch you or your family. And once again, I'm talking about the will of God concerning where you work, the will of God concerning where you send your children or allow your children to do or go, the will of God concerning where your kids go to school or college. Come on, say amen, somebody. The will of God concerning where you live, the will of God concerning where you go to church, the will of God concerning your ministry. The will of God is the safest place to be. And once again, a lot of times, a lot of times people get out of the will of God and become targets, open targets for the attack of the enemy. Amen. So here in John 2, 16, it says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but of the world. Once again, the world is about what? Pleasing self. A lot of decisions are made not to please God or the family. A lot of decisions are made just to please self. Amen. Everybody else just has to fall in line. Amen. Verse 17, it says, And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that what? He that doeth the will of God does what? Abide forever. Now we read that from the Amplified Translation, where it says, Do not love the world. Amen. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and his precepts, nor the things that are in the world. It says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust and the sensual craving of the flesh, come on, say amen, somebody, and the longing of the eyes, amen, and the boastful pride of life. In other words, it says, and then it says in brackets, pretentious confidence and one's resources, or in the, in the inability or the stability of earthly things. In other words, it says, don't put your faith in pretentious confidence in your resources. Come on, say amen, somebody. Or the stability of earthly things, because earthly things are not stable. Say it again. Earthly things are not stable. And then it says, these do not come from the Father, but are from the world. So the world is passing away with its lust and its shameful pursuits and godly longings, but the one who does the will of God and carries out his purpose, come on, lives for how long? Lives forever. So from what we read here, the safest place to be is in the what? It's in the will of God. That means doing the will of God and carrying out his purpose for your life and your family. Amen? And so many people are out of the will of God for their life, and once again, sometimes bad things happen. 
They're not where they're supposed to be. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there are certain laws you cannot violate. Once again, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Then it talks about the laws. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Letting us know there are two laws in this earth, working in this earth realm. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. And sometimes we as believers are sowing into the wrong law concerning the will of God for our lives. Amen. And yes, we know God is a God of mercy. And we know God's a God of grace. But if you keep sowing going outside the will of God, you're sowing to your flesh. And Galatians 6, 7 tells you what happens when you keep sowing to your flesh. Amen. Sowing, sowing outside the will of God for your life. It says, be not what? Deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then it tells you that for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap what? Corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit, so of the spirit reap what? Life everlasting. And this is still a law. And the law, these laws are still in force today, folks. If you keep doing your own thing, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, where you want to do it, come on, just to please you, you're sowing to your flesh. And when you sow to your flesh, it says corruption is inevitable. Corruption is what? Inevitable. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because you're sowing to your flesh. And you've connected yourself to the law of sin and death, and you have disconnected from the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that's not what God wants for your life. Tell your neighbor, that's not what God wants for your life. And once again, we talked about being reverent. And we talked about being sensitive before God so you'll know what his will is for your life. Being what? Reverent and sensitive. Come on, say that. Reverent and sensitive. You got to get reverent before God. Understand who God is, how big God is, how masterful he is. Come on, say amen. How wonderful he is. And then you got to be sensitive to what he's doing in your life. We also talked about actively pursuing spiritual maturity. Why? Because the more spiritual mature you are, the more sensitive you become to the leading on the inside. Amen. You got people who've been Christian for 10 and 15, 20 years are still baby Christians. They're not mature in the things of God. They wouldn't know God's voice if he, if he, if he had a bullhorn. Come on. And say, hey! They would think it was Joe Blow down the street. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. But you have to what? Be spiritually mature. Somebody say spiritually mature. So I can become sensitive to that leading on the inside. Then we talked about using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Let me say it again. 
We talked about using serious what? Caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend my God or discredit the name of Christ. In other words, he said, you got to constantly reevaluate yourself and reevaluate yourself. Ask yourself questions before you do it. Did I get this confirmed green light from God before I go ahead? He said, acknowledge me in all your ways. And he will what? All of this is to do what? To make sure that I'm in God's will for my life, folks. Because why? The will of God is the safest place to be. Look at John 4.30, where it says, Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Has any man brought him out to eat? Jesus said unto him, My meat is what? My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to what? Oh, And to finish his work. Jesus said, what sustains me, what keeps me going is not the food I put in my mouth or the natural things of this life or the things of this world. What keeps me and sustains me is doing the will of him that sent me and making sure that I finish his work. Somebody say, his work. He said, that's what gives me proper nourishment that keeps me going. That's what protects me along the way. And we're supposed to be followers of Christ. We're supposed to be followers of Christ. I hope I got some followers in here. Come on, say amen. Look at Acts 19.21. Because we looked at Paul. And in red, where Paul purposed in his spirit to follow the will of God for his life. Acts 19, 21, it says, and after these things were ended, Paul purposed in his what? He purposed where? In his spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I had been there, I must also see Rome. Where did he get this from? He got this from the Lord. He wasn't going by his mind or his flesh. He was checking, he was checking with his what? Spirit to see where God wanted him to go. He's checking with his what? Spirit. He wasn't going by his natural thinking. He wasn't going by his education. He's going by what was in his what? Spirit. Sometimes what's in your spirit goes beyond your natural thinking or your natural ability. You got to go by what's in your what? Spirit. But in order to do that, you have to become sensitive in the. You got to become sensitive in your. You got to be sensitive in your. How did Paul get sensitive in the spirit? He said, what? First Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I speak tongues. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than you all. I speak in tongues more than you all. I cannot overemphasize you praying in the Holy Ghost. More. 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 
Why? You want to make sure I'm, I'm spiritually sensitive to the voice of God. And I'm not, I'm not sitting there wondering, is that me, God, or the devil? Because that's what people are doing. They're hearing voices, but they don't know where them voices are coming from. They don't know if it's them, God, or the devil. That's confusion. And God's not the author of confusion. So the more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more you pray in the Holy Ghost, the more sensitive you become in the spirit. And Paul was sensitive in his spirit. He knew the leading of God. He knew the voice of God. Why? Because he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. Why? Because he understood he had a bigger calling. Hence the importance of praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Now, when we follow Paul, go to Acts 20, verse 24. We followed Paul, and we've seen along the way he went through some stuff. Did he go through some stuff? But what kept him alive was being what? In the will of God for his life. Notice what he says in his farewell speech. Verse 24, he says, but what? None of these things move me. Neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I may what? Finish my course with joy and the what? Ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace of God. He said, listen, this is a, there was a confidence about Paul. Why? Because he knew he was in the will of God for his life, and he said, nothing moves me. You cannot move me. You can't do anything to me to move me off my course. I'm not afraid what anybody can do to me. I'm not, all I'm concerned about is doing what? Finishing my course with joy and the ministry which I received from him myself. Nothing moved Paul once he purposed in his spirit to do the will of God for his life. Have you purposed in your spirit yet? Uh, let, me, let me ask the question again. Have you truly purposed in your spirit to do the will of God? I'm not talking about lip syncing. I'm not talking about the religious answer because everybody else is saying the same thing. God's talking to you individually. Or have you purpose in your spirit to do the will of God regardless of what you're going through? They couldn't touch Paul. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Nothing moved Paul. Jews tried to kill him. He stayed on the will of God. Hit squad, come on. Said they was going to kill him or they wouldn't eat. Come on, say amen, somebody. But every time they, they, somebody tried to kill him, God always had a ram in the bush. Why? They couldn't kill Paul. They couldn't touch Paul as long as he remained focused. 
Somebody say focus. Focus on the will of God for his life. When you're in the will of God, God will show you how to move, maneuver around things that come against you so that they won't affect you. Are you listening to me out there? We've seen how following the will of God for your life affects others around you. We've seen how Paul was in a ship. And when that storm hit, because he was in the ship, everyone's life was spared and not one hair in their hair was harmed. Why? Because Paul was in the ship and he was what? In the will of God. Matter of fact, look at Acts 27, 44. It says, and the rest, you know, after they came to shore, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they what? How many of them? How many of them? All safe. Somebody say safe. Safe to land. Why did all of them escape safe to land? Because of Paul. The safest place to be is in the will of God. And we stated once again, if you're not in the will of God for your life, you better make sure you have somebody in your ship who is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at Acts 28.1. Remember, you know, Paul said in verse 26, Acts 20, let's go to Acts 27.26. Look at that one first. Acts 27.26. Amen. Paul has stated, how be it we must cast up, be, be cast upon a certain what? Island. They didn't know where that island was. Let's go back to Acts 8.28.1. They didn't know where that island was, but Paul said, you know, we got to be cast on a certain island because there was a purpose for that certain island. God has a purpose for everything. Are you listening to me out there? Well, what happened? Just like he said, it happened. They were cast upon that certain island. And it says, and when they escaped, then they knew that this island was called what? Melita. Amen. They didn't know before, but now they do. Come on, say amen, somebody. They didn't need to know all the information. God didn't want them to have all the information. If they would have had all the information, they may have kicked Paul out and left for themselves. Come on, say amen, somebody. We're going to try to get there on their own. See, God wanted them to learn that he's God. And there's no other way, to, no, one, no other one to depend on except him. And they just needed to give heed to the man of God that was, that was in the will of God for his life. Amen? So looking at Acts 28.1 again, it says, And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called what? Melita. And then it says, And barbarous people. Now, they weren't uncivilized. Romans considered anyone who didn't speak Greek or Latin as barbarous. If you didn't speak their language, they considered you barbarous. Come on, say amen, somebody. So it says, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were treated very good. What is this? The favor of God once again. This is not only the favor of God working on Paul's behalf, but it's the blessing working on Paul's behalf. Listen. You strengthening the blessing upon your life, amen, is dependent upon the will, you following the will of God for your life. The more you're in the will of God, the more blessings you see in your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. And because of the confidence being in the will of God gives you, 
You can go anywhere and turn a cursed place into a blessed place. And it says, they showed us no little kindness, for they came to the fire and received us every one because of the present rain because, and because of the what? Cold. Once again, we see the effect it has on those with you. He says, they received every one. Everyone was received. Why? Because of Paul. Come on, they just dragged themselves out of a cold, stormy sea. And on top of that, it was still raining, so they were soggy wet. Come on, are you with me out here? They dumped out all their food, so they're probably extremely hungry. They were in bad shape. But God. But God. Come on, once again, I'm telling you, if you're not in the will of God for yourself, you better make sure how you have somebody that is that's in the will of God. And these people took care of them, built them a fire so they could dry off. Come on. Probably put some meat on the grill and fed them. Come on, say amen, somebody. Gave them some fresh water to drink. It says they showed them no little kindness, meaning they went overboard for them. Now, everything is going fine, and they're sitting back, relaxing, getting some rest, and feeling the heat of that nice, warm fire. Come on, say amen, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? If you know anything about cold weather, you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about a warm fire. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. And then it says in verse 3, And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat, and fastened on his hand. But before we get to the viper, notice what it says, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, and he laid them where? On the fire. This tells me part of Paul being in the will of God for his life was his heart towards people. He could have been sitting back and relaxing like everybody else. But not Paul. Paul was out gathering sticks with the barbarous people to keep the people that he was with warm. Everybody else was sitting around laid back and being served while Paul was helping. And say, that's me. I said, that's me. I don't know about you. <laughs> See, I don't just sit back and let somebody else do the work. You've never seen me do that. You've never seen me do that. And think about it. If you talk to one of these teenagers, mainly the, the, the fellas, fellas say Amen. They'll tell you one of their complaints they have with the men of this church that are supposed to be examples. They'll tell you. They say the men just sit back and watch them and don't even help them anymore. Oh, mama, shake it. I'm telling you, that's what they'll tell you. And the one thing the devil will attack is your love walk when you're walking in the will of God, and it will use your pride to get you off your love walk. 
He'll get you to say to yourself, oh, they're young. They, let them do it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And see, that's pride in the eyes of God. It's pride in the eyes of them young men. Come on, say amen, somebody. And in the eyes of them young men, they think it's laziness. And all the young men say? <laughs> Why? Because then you want to give them godly wisdom. Then you want to give them godly wisdom. It doesn't work like that. They will lose respect for you. Paul was gaining these people respect. See, people respect you more when they see that you're not just here being served, but you're servants yourself. That's how you get people's respect. Come on, are you listening to me out here? Look at Mark 9.35. Mark 9.35. Even Jesus said here, the greatest of all is a servant of all. Look what he says here. And he sat down and called his 12, his leadership, <laughs> he called his what? Twelve. Who was his what? Leadership. And he said unto them, If any of you desire, any man desire to be what? First, the same shall be what? The what? Last of all. And what? And what? And what? In other words, the last to eat. Oh, my, 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 Oh, not a maha. The last to leave. Oh, mama, she keep on my son. He says, they are the servants of all. Those, listen, folks, those are the ones that God promotes. And people don't get it. Those are the ones that God promotes. Because why? They're, they are in his will. Remember, Doers of the word of God, not just hearers only. Jesus only said what he heard his father say. And right here, he's speaking the will of the father. He said, if you want to be the man, serve like the man. Oh, my, my shit. Oh, we're not done. Look at Luke 22, 26. Remember, his meat was to do what? The will of his father and finish his work. Well, this was part of his work. Luke twenty two twenty six. 26. But you shall not be so. But he that is what? Greatest among you. Oh, boy. Let him be as the younger. And he that is chief. As he what? Thus what? Serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat, sitteth at meat? He said, but think about it. I'm among you as he that what? Serveth. In other words, who's the bigger person in the eyes of God? The person that's feeding their face and getting served and doing absolutely nothing 
and is the first one to hit the door after they've eaten? Or preaching good in here. Or the one that's doing the serving and the last one to leave. Jesus said, I'm among you as he that what? Serveth. He said, you don't see me worried about feeding my face or if there's, only, if there's going to be any left for me after the work all I've done. Oh, I'm preaching good. You don't even see me putting a tray of food back in the back for myself or running to the car with two, fl- two plates and three plates of food. Even though everybody else hasn't eaten. Oh, my shaky no boy, shot people, cool. He said, I'm doing the will of him that sent me. And he sent me to serve. And he sent me to show you how to serve. We're showing these young people the blessing that comes from serving. We're being examples. I have some parents call it using my children when their children work in the church. You're using my children. Only my children doing all the work. Why God calls it teaching them to serve while they're young so they'll serve him while they're older. Come on. I've seen parents that feel the children are doing all the work and they'll stop them and take them home and sometimes scold them from doing work in the church. So they have them worried about what somebody else is doing. Ain't nobody else doing what you're doing. Instead of focusing on, I'm doing the work of the Lord because I know my rewards come from heaven. Come on, say amen, somebody. And when the parents themselves, you have to almost force them to do anything. And when they do it, sometimes it's out of guilt because why? Everybody's watching them. (laughs) Oh, come on now. It should be when they see you serving God from your heart that then they come in and jump in with you because of the example you're setting before them. Oh, yeah, you listen to me out here. And not like what happens a lot of times when teenagers do come and help, people will stop working with them Stop being examples, but instead we'll stop and watch them work and start eating and drinking and giving orders and think it's okay. <laughs> Can I get another email back there? <laughs> you don't think they notice that? But then you want to give them godly wisdom. It ain't going to work like that, folks. They want to see your heart when it comes to serving. Then I got something to say. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then I respect you enough to listen to you. Look at Matthew 18, 1. I see this is going over real well. Matthew 18, 1. <laughs> These things have to be taught, folks, because this is what's happening. And it's not right. 
18.1 says, At the same time came the disciples of Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. See, he's not talking about heaven itself. He's talking about the government of heaven. The blessings that come from being in a different government than what you're in right now. See, in this government, the kingdom of heaven government, come on, you're always taken care of. You're always in a safe place. But the key is, he says, I need to be converted. The New Century Version reads it this way. Well, y'all can bring up the Message Bible. The New Century Version reads it this way. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You must change. You must change. You must change and become like little children. Otherwise, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever there shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The message Bible reads it this way. And I said, I'm willing, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like, a, like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, well, what? Well, what? Well, what? Rank high in God's kingdom. Are you listening to me out here? This is how you get promoted. Let me say it again. This is how you get promoted. I'm not bragging or putting a spotlight on myself and my wife, but we are where we are right now and still here because we have a servant's heart. Are you listening to me out there? And if you take a look at all the men and women of God that we see today in our circles, they all have a servant's heart and God has tremendously blessed them. Just because you see them in a the spotlight now, but if you know their stories, they'll tell you how they clean toilets. They'll tell you how they served somewhere first before they got to where they are right now. You've got to have a servant's heart. And he's saying it's time for some of you to change if you want to be in the safest place to be, if you want to be in the will of God, and walk in the fullness of the blessing. He said, you got to be converted. You got to be what? That means you got to have a heart conversion. He said, humble. Humility is the key. Humility is the key. Because if I'm not humble, I'm not doing anything. And you can't tell me to do anything if I'm not humble. Because prior to telling you who you think you are. Amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that pride will keep you at the bottom while the humble person is rising to the top. God's exalting them while you get lower and lower and lower. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, let's get back to Paul. Amen. <laughs> I 
Hallelujah. So right in the middle of Paul showing love to these people who just said they were going to kill all the prisoners, including him, right right they came to shore. (laughs) What happens? The devil says, I know what I do. And out of nowhere, a viper comes out of the heat and fastens to Paul's hand. Now, when it says fasten, it means that viper had his fangs in Paul's hand. And it was attached to Paul's hand and was not letting go. Are you listening to me out there? Amen. I'm talking about them two long things. You seen them snake have? In his hand. Come on, say amen, somebody. Glory to God. And verse 4 says, and when the barbarians, Acts 28, 4. And when the barbarians saw the venomous, venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. <laughs> Whom though he escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffered not to live. Now, evidently, they understood something about reaping what you sow. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It even shows you the world understands that. Say, they knew this was a poisonous snake, and one bite, and you're dead. You're dead. And they knew which one were prisoners and which ones were the guards. See, it didn't matter to him why he was helping them. Come on, when he's helping them serve, but when that snake grabbed a hold of his hand, they said, whoa. <laughs> Come on, say amen. Amen. This man must be a murderer. The sea didn't get him, but this viper is definitely going to pay him back for whatever he has done. So they're watching to see what's going to happen. It says, verse 5, he did what? He did what? He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Did what? Felt no harm. See, we're in the will of God. You have the ability to shake off some things that's trying to end your life, that's trying to to end your career, that's trying to end your goals in life. You have the ability to do what? Shake it off. See, your beast may be that lien they put on your house. Your beast may be that doctor's report you receive. Your beast may be that unruly husband or unruly wife that's trying to drive you up a wall. (laughs) Your Your beast may be that teacher that's trying to stop you from graduating. Your beast may be that false accusation that's trying to ruin you. Your beast may be that depression that keeps trying to attach itself to you. In other words, whatever your beast is, when you're in the will of God, you have the ability to shake it off and realize you can't touch this. Now, you take note now. Paul didn't scream out saying, God, please take this beast off of me. He had to shake it off. He had to shake it off. 
Why? Because he knows, listen, I'm right now, I'm in right state. Do you know who I am? I'm a child of God. I'm in the will of God. And you got the nerve to attach yourself to me? You must not know who I am. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, once again, just because you're in the will of God doesn't mean nothing's going to try to get in your way. And nothing's going to try to attach itself to you to stop you. But just when it does, you just say, listen, God's grace is sufficient. So I, all I got to do is what? All I got to do is what? And it can't harm me and it can't stop me. Come on, are you listening to me out here? And it says in verse 6, how be it they looked when they should have swollen <laughs> or fallen dead suddenly. Look at this now. Because other people see the beast that you're dealing with. They know about it. Your family knows about it. Your coworkers know about it. Your friends know about it. Even people you don't know know about it. <laughs> and they're watching. And they're watching. They're watching to see if you're going to fall apart. They're watching to see if you're going to lose it and go off. Come on. They're watching to see if you're going to give up and succumb to that beast and let it have its way and take you out of here. Come on. They're watching to see your reaction and how you handle this thing, Christian. They want to see what kind of man or woman of God you really are and what you proclaim to be. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And it says, but after they had looked a great while. <laughs> after they what? <laughs> they looked a what? Great while and saw no harm come to him. See, normal people would have been in the graveyard dead by now. But no harm came to this man. Why? Because he was in the will of God for his life. The will of God is what? It's the safest place to be, especially when the devil attacks you for doing something good. Listen, they saw no harm come to him. And guess what? They'll see no harm come to you. I don't care how long they keep looking. Nothing's going to happen to you. Oh, you better hear me. I don't care how long they keep looking. Because they're looking for you to stumble. They're looking for you to fall. They're looking for something to happen. And I just tell them, just keep on looking. Because you ain't going to see nothing happen to me. Because I know who I am. And I know what I'm doing is God, it's in God's will. Come on, say amen, somebody. But I like this part. And it says, and they changed their minds and said, he, is a, he was a God. <laughs> Some people are about to change their mind about you. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. 
Come on, they seen what you went through. They see what you're going through. They've been watching. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they've been watching for a great while. <laughs> and the more victories they see you win. You hear what I say? The more victories they see you win, the more they're going to change their mind towards you. Now, they're not going to say you're a God. But they're going to say they must be a child of God. Why? There's no way it could happen except that God was with them. Come on, say amen, somebody. So they said, he's a God. What happened? They seen the supernatural. They what? They seen the supernatural. They seen something ordinary man could never do. And that's what people are going to see on you. They're going to see the supernatural operating in your life on another level to the point they may even call you a God. Not knowing you're just, the, you're just doing the works of God because you're in the will of God. Say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Remember Paul said walking in the will of God. When he's walking in the will of God, he told them, we must be on a certain island. Well, this is the main reason they went to this island. God was setting everything up. And you don't know what God is setting up in your life. You have no idea what God is setting up in your life. But as you go, it begins to unfold before you. But it unfolds as you it unfolds as you. Paul was continuously moving forward in the will of God for his life. He didn't get stagnant. He didn't think about turning back. And God was setting everything up. Verse 7. Are you getting anything out of this? In the same quarters were possessions of chief men on the island whose name was Publius. In other words, this man was the governor of the island. The governor. As said, the governor who received us and lodged us three days courteously. Now it says he received us, meaning everyone. They're all riding on Paul's coattail. Everyone got, a, got their own nice warm bed. All because of who? Paul. Paul. Why do I say that? Don't you think after those barbarians, just after what they just witnessed, the word wasn't out? Yeah. Listen, we know how fast the word gets out on this island. <laughs> the daily news don't have nothing <laughs> on how fast the word gets out here. As a matter of fact, they're reporting the afternoons. They probably got it for somebody in the island. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. But I see that happening. The word getting out when it starts seeing the supernatural. And it gets all the way to the government house. And it gets all the way to 
government house to the governor of the island. And it says he took care of them for three days. Come on, you, tell, you can't tell me this wasn't because Paul was in the will of God. All these things were happening because Paul was what? In the will of God. Everything eventually just begins to start falling in place. Are you following me out here? Paul, God had Paul in the right place at the right time because he was willing and obedient. In verse 8 it says, And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux. Paul was in the right place at the right time doing the will of his father. Come on. To whom Paul entered and did what? And prayed, laid his hands on him, and did what? And healed them. And when this was done, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. It started a revival on that island. We're about to start a revival on this island, folks. Why? Because we're in the will of God. And God is ready to use people who will just be obedient. And sick people will start coming from everywhere, everywhere, from the east, west, north, or south. Come on, because they know they're going to be healed and they will be healed. They came from everywhere. They came from all over the island. They came from all over the island to be healed. And it says they were healed. Oh, somebody can see that. Come on, can you see it? Can you see that happening here on this island? Do we live on an island or do we not? Then it says, who, honored, uh, who also honored us with many honors, when we departed, notice this. Who honors us for many? Paul never says me. He never puts the focus on himself. He says they honored us with many honors. Because what it, he said, whatever's happened to me, it's happened to us. I'm not doing the will of God just for myself. I'm doing it for those that are with me. We're all included in this thing. So he always says us. He never says me. With many others, and when we departed, they laid it on us. They laid it us with such things as were what necessary. All of that. After all that, they gave them everything they needed while they were there. And everything they needed to get to Rome, which was the ultimate will of God for Paul's life. And everyone else was on the, everybody else was just along for the ride. But to them, it was a good ride. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Then in verse 11, it says, after three months, we parted the ship Alexandria. They had three, they had a three-month revival. He stayed there three months getting people healed. Yes. Then in verse 16, 
And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him. They didn't put Paul in general quarters. Paul said, I want a room by myself. <laughs> he a prisoner now. He said, no, 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 no. I want the private quarters down there on the end of the road here. <laughs> Just give me one guard. I ain't going nowhere. Come on, say amen, somebody. Somebody say the blessing and favor at work in the will of God. Come on, say the blessing and favor at work in the will of God. When he got there, he did what God sent him there to do. The Lord told him, I want you to be a testimony and witness of me to them in Rome. Where is he at right now? Where is he at right now? He's finally in Rome. Listen to this now. From all that he went through, think about it. From all that he went through, did it ever look like he would ever get there? Think about all the things we talked about he went through. Did it ever look like he would get there? Come on. But did he ever quit? Did he ever stop doing the will of God along the way? Listen, folks. On your way to the ultimate will of God for your life, circumstances may take you in many directions. But you can't allow those circumstances to dictate what God has for your life. Is anybody listening to me out here? You have to continuously re-evaluate yourself and your circumstances and make sure I'm doing what God wants me to do. I'm what? Doing what God wants wants me to go. Because I know if I stay in his will, nothing can stop me or cause me harm on the way. So what happens? Paul calls those he was to preach to, amen, to his house. In verse 23, it says, and when they had appointed him a day, they all came. There came many to him into his lodging to whom he expounded and testified of the what? The kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Are you on verse 11? I'm on verse 23. And when he had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning to evening. He preached all day long, morning to evening. People have a hard time sitting in church for an hour and a half. <laughs> People start squirming. Oh, Lord, is he done yet? <laughs> amen. Mind start floating. Come on, say amen, somebody. It said he, he spoke from morning to evening. Maybe we should have a service like that. From morning to evening. So who's really serious about the word of God? <laughs> These people were serious. 
wanted to hear that word. Amen. Morning and evening, it says, and some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. It didn't matter. As long as he fulfilled the will of God in his life. He did what he was supposed to do. They were given a chance to receive the gospel, folks. These were Jews. So in verse 28, it says, Paul says, I did my part. Verse 28 says, but, but be it known unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, because I know they will hear it. Don't worry about if somebody receives what you're preaching or not. God has somebody to hear what you got to say. You hear what I got? To, you hear what I just said? God has somebody here. If they don't want to receive it, somebody's there. Somebody's around. God will send you somebody that will receive it, and it will bless them tremendously. And literally change their heart and change their life. Glory to God. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because think about it. You never know who you're talking to or who you preach to. And there was a guy on TV this week, and he said he got this from um, Oral Roberts. He said, Oral Roberts said, think about Paul. You know, when he was in trouble and they was letting him out the window? Them guys that were letting him out the window never knew that they were letting down the man. All they were doing was saving his life. They never knew this was the man that was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. They never knew this was the man that was going to give us the revelation of seated with Christ in heavenly places. All they knew is they were just letting down a man because he was blabbing his mouth too much and they was about to hang him. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we're going to save his life. They never knew whose life they were saving. You never know who you're ministering to that God can use them to change the world. Hallelujah. So you don't worry about they to receive it or not. Go to somebody else. Whatever they receive or they don't receive, that's between them and God. Don't you take it offense. Don't take it personal when somebody rejects your message and get all upset. Get mad because they wouldn't listen to you and you have all this knowledge and wisdom. <laughs> and they have the nerve not to listen to me. Don't they see how spiritual I am? <laughs> and you take it personal. Tell your neighbor, don't take it personal. Just move on. God will lead you to somebody else that will receive everything that you have for them. Come on, say amen, somebody. And it says, when they said these words, the Jews departed and had great reason among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years. Listen to this now. Paul dwelt two Oh, years in his own hired house. This man was in prison. 
He had servants. <laughs> it reminds you of the mafia, mafia guys. You know, they in prison. They got their, you know, you seen the movies. <laughs> you seen the movie where the mafia guys, they, they, got, they got the couch and everything. They got the, they, their, their room is looking like a house. <laughs> That's the way Paul was. That's the way Paul was. Come on. He had his own hired house. And then he had all the visitors he wanted and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all what? For what? No man forbidding him. No man forbidding him. All because what? He stayed in the will of God for his life. Because the safest place to be is in the will of God. And the will of, when you're in the will of God, God will take you around the world. And you'll preach in places where nobody else can go. Just like Marilyn Hickey. This woman's in her 80s. In her 80s, folks. In her 80s still traveling around the world in Muslim countries. And you, if you ever watch any documentary about Muslim and women, they kill women. I mean, they treat them mercifully. Are you listening to me out here? You better be in the will of God to go in places like that. But like he says here, with all confidence, she goes, and nobody forbids her. With confidence. When you're in the will of God, you have a confidence, and you know if God sends you, you ain't worried about what's going on in that nation. You don't know, you don't care, you ain't worried about whether they like you or not. Bishop talked about when they were hit, they were, when he went with her, you know, he was scared. <laughs> Because <laughs> they had been talked, they was going, they was going, had a hit squad after them. <laughs> you listen to me out there, but this woman continues to go, and there's no different with Bishop. And I, I pretty, I, I think that was like a, a, a lift off for him going to Europe. He's not afraid to go to Europe. Europe is just as bad as any place else nowadays. That's where all the bombings and everything is taking place. That's where all the terrorist activity is taking place right there in Europe. And God sends you there? <laughs> right in the middle of the Eastern Bloc countries? Where less than 1% are Christians? <laughs> you better know you're in the will of God. Why? Because the will of God is the safest place to be. All his bowed eyes closed in prayer.